Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today we hear more about Armageddon, plus look at our new series, Faith for the Future. We're so glad you've joined us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. And I'm in the mood to get into a hot topic. What do you think, guys? Well, you were in the mood to get into a hot Jeep there for that whole last series, weren't you? Yes, it wasn't air conditioning. <laughs> Driving and bumping around and uh, looking very adventuresome. Well, it was a lot of fun, you know, and walking with the Lord's adventurous and walking with the Lord in the land of the Lord is adventurous. It's good. We loved everything that you brought us. It, everything was about the land. You took us to places, but you also taught us things that many of us didn't even know. Well, let me talk to you about something you all do know and see if we can unpack it a little more. Armageddon. You ever heard of that before? Even people channel surfing that aren't interested in Christian television per se, you just happen to be here. When you hear the word Armageddon, I'm sure it invokes some kind of image of a climactic struggle at the ragged edge of human history. Well, it's found in the literature. We're told here that forces in the book Revelation that forces in chapter 16, verse 16, spirits gather forces together in a place in Hebrew called Har Megiddo. Har is the Hebrew for mountain. Ar Megiddo, Armageddon. You know what it is. It's a place of a great, great battle. Here's what people don't know. They don't know what eases into it. And that's what I want to explore with you. If you look in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, we see that these hordes are amassed just east of the Euphrates River. Back in Bible days here, New Testament times, that was Parthia. That was the ragged edge of the Roman Empire, and the Parthians were perceived as savages. These forces amassed there, looking for an opportunity to invest their angst. And so it is, we're told in the literature, that the Euphrates dries up, and these forces sweep into the region, and they come to a place called Armageddon. Well, those forces were in Parthia back then, Persia in Old Testament history, today Iran. Maybe, maybe it's one bit cosmic coincidence, but we see in the literature here that, uh, that, that spirits are driving this tension that, that turns into a full-blown war in Armageddon in verse 13. It's demonic. The beast spews out these words and and. and performs these uh, tasks, unleashes these energies, and brings people together for a great, great battle. You know, I wonder, maybe you do too. You see Israel brought to life as a nation state miraculously against all odds here in the modern world. And in conjunction with that, there's this fermenting discontent that swells up, not just in general, but particularly it seems to be driven out of the East from beyond the Euphrates. Is it a coincidence? Is it prophetic? Let's ask Kirsten. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's just interesting because of the tours that we've been on, the Zola tours, you are speaking these words and what do I do? I see it. Yes. And I see the Valley of Armageddon. I see how lush and beautiful it is. It's full of trees, it's full of fruit, it's full of life. And it's so crazy to think that this beautiful part of the world will one day 
have so much bloodshed? Well, it's because you see it beautiful now. The reason why there was so much bloodshed there in history is right. because it is so beautiful. Forces that make their way into the region, conventional forces over land, before they go on a war, let's say if they want to march on Jerusalem, these troops need to refresh, they need to regroup. And after a long and arduous trip, you go to Armageddon, there's food staple there, there's water, there's orchards. You know, armies move in their bellies. It's a place to regroup. And thus, it's always been a place of contention. People wanted to control it, which is why Armageddon itself, if you haven't been to Israel, you wouldn't know it. If you've been to Israel, you would know it. Armageddon itself is, is, is a hill, and there's over 20 different layers. Forts have, built, have been built there. Uh, every king wanted to control the space, because whoever controlled the hill controlled the valley. Right. And whoever controlled the valley controlled the orchards, and whoever controlled mm -hmm. the valley and the orchard controlled uh, the pathway to Jerusalem. That tell Megiddo goes back to the Bronze Era. Yes. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I really like watching people on our tour bus when we go to that spot. It gets really quiet when they're really thinking about where they're standing. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and, and I've always observed that. People are like, wow, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't believe I'm here. Uh, it's great to be there now than it is <laughs> when this actually unfolds. Right. Uh, and I don't think this is coming tomorrow. So come with Israel. Come to Israel today. How about that? <laughs> well, also, sorry, and I'm going to jump in jump. on what you're about to say. This is something else unless you look at a map. But in, when you're there, we go to Nazareth. And what did Nazareth look at? The Valley of Armageddon. So it's interesting that Yeshua, Jesus, growing up, he looked at that every day. That's right where he lived. And again, it's so beautiful but what the future holds for that spot. And that's why the land itself is so fascinating to see the terrain for yourself. And then when you're reading something in Revelation, you're like, I can see it like we can see it right now. Yeah, and that's the beauty of, of a trip to Israel, to the Bible lands. It, 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 it just brings it alive. Well, you brought it alive for us in the whole series, Eretz Israel, and Very good, one yes. of our favorites, isn't it? It really is. Well, yeah. The, 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 the genesis of the series was wanting to explore, it's a story that shouldn't even need to be told, and that is how God gave a certain people a certain place and the boundaries are delineated. And I'm clueless how people can read the Bible and, and not see that the land uh, of the Bible belongs to the people, <laughs> you know, the Hebrew people. I mean, that's right. Bible 101. And that was a series that should have not needed to be shot. <laughs> it should have been construed a waste of money because everybody should know it. Right. But uh, we really pinned down the biblical text, and it's a thrill. It was a lot of fun, as you say, to schlep around in a Jeep, to go to these fascinating places. It's always a joy. But we shouldn't have had to teach the story. But it's just there's so much deceit in the world. And by the way, he says here that this, this, this Armageddon story is precipitated by deceit, by demonic influence that goes out there and thunders in the world and, mm -hmm. and broadcasts these negative energies and brings gloom and despair. And uh, I wish I didn't have to tell the story, but I did. Well, unfortunately, we, we can read the history of that, the battles for that land. We're living in it now, and we still will in the future, yes. this little piece of land, but everyone wants it. It's a stormy place today, to tell you the truth. The devil's thundering his, his you know, it's, just, it's all just uh, coming out. We're seeing it in the day and time. Prophetic, yes, live. in the Bible, yes. Well, I think so, yeah, because you see it there in the Bible, uh, which is, you know, if Israel didn't emerge as a nation state, this wouldn't manifest, but it does. But the bones got flesh on it. 
those, those Ezekiel bones, those dry bones, they got flesh and it's powerful now and they're, they're gonna fight for their land yes. as they should. Yes, and you know, the people of Israel, Am Yisrael Chai is the saying, the people of Israel live, uh, the land of Israel lives. And that's why um, uh, people like you support people like us because you kind of get it, you kind of sort of get it. And I want to thank you for getting it. And I want to ask you to help other people to get it. So if you would get behind us, help us to tell this story because we so much want to look at the good news through the eyes of the Jews. We've been doing it for many decades. We want to do it right up until the time when the Lord comes. Yeah. Thank you for your teaching. Mm -hmm. We will be right back. Our offer on this program a DVD collection of all eight programs in our series, Eretz Israel. Take a backroads journey with Dr. Jeffrey Seif through the Holy Land. Explore the Bible's account of Israel's past, present, and future. Journalist David Dolan joins Dr. Seif and lends his insight regarding the modern day struggles that accompany the reestablishment of the ancestral Jewish homeland. This is a series that sets the record straight the biblical and historical account of the land of Israel. Call 1-800-WONDERS and ask for Eretz Israel. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. I'm always surprised at um, how many people get on our tour bus for a second, even a third, fourth time. One time isn't enough because there's so much to take in. If you've been with us, come back for the first time maybe. Please join us on a tour to Israel. It'll change your life as it's changed our lives. Has. It's wonderful. Well, Dr. Seif was mentioning uh, Tel Megiddo and the Armageddon area. And if you know me even a little bit, you know I'm a foodie and I love Israeli food. And we were just mentioning that at Tel Megiddo, it's yes, a, a historical site and it's amazing to learn, but also it's our first falafel. If you don't know what that is, look it up. And our schnitzel lunch. So Tel Megiddo has good food. And uh, yes, I know something else you really like from there. They have a good jewelry, jewelry. store. Yeah, Israeli so, jewelry. Yes, you will learn so much, but we also have a lot of fun on our tours. Yeah. I think you guys have fun too when you come, don't you? Yeah, I have a blast to tell you the truth. 
What concerns me sometimes, it takes some of the joy out of ministry is when I attend business meetings. <laughs> uh, you know, and if anyone who's ever been to a deacon's meeting in, in a church, you realize there's a business side to ministry. Most aren't exposed to it, nor should they be. Uh, in an organization like this where we don't have a deacon's meeting, I do want to call a beacon's meeting. That is to say, those that want to help be a light to the world. Uh, many wouldn't appreciate it, and I want to do this as tastefully as I can, um, because many don't appreciate People think in terms of, uh, uh, you know, television ministries are always raising money. That's not true, but sometimes we need to, just like you need to raise money to pay for your bills. This is the way we pay for ours. And uh, what we're endeavoring to do with all of this costs a small fortune. If you look at these, uh, the, these programs, it's not just me waxing eloquent behind a pulpit, and I'm not disparaging those who do just that, but there's dramatic reenactments, there's reconstructions in the land of Israel. We take you to the land and through the land, and that requires television crews, cameras, lighting, sound equipment, uh, editorial work, never mind the cost of uh, uh, the editorial stuff when we get back to the States. And then there's this small thing called paying the airtime on major television networks. We're talking millions of dollars. I know you don't have millions, but if you have a hundred or something, please. Again, I'm not calling a deacon's meeting. There's no point. I am calling a beacon's meeting. And if you're like-minded or light-minded, that is to say you want to shed light in the world and you think there's value in what we do, Please help us do it. Coming up is a great series, Faith for the Future. You're going to love it. It's going to build up your faith. Help us to reach out to others to get them on the faith journey. And a way that you do that is by praying for us. And thank you for that. Another way is by investing in the work. Do so right now, please. I believe God will bless you in so doing. We start this series soon. Tell us about this series, Faith for Our Future. Faith for the Future uh, evolved out of conversations uh, at the executive level of the ministry. And we were thinking how people are so very intoxicated by despair. Goodness, people are concerned because of the political world. People are concerned because of their own bodies. Uh, never mind the exterior world, just interior. People are concerned about their finances. People are concerned about their webs of relationships. It's easy to feel there's, no, there's nothing for the future because people feel they're going to be annihilated at the present. We wanted to see how faith leads people victoriously. And so what we did is we call, crawled back into the early Genesis accounts of those forefathers and foremothers who braved the hazards of human experience in the world where the, everything was stacked against them. We observed how faith led them on victorious into the future, believing that people can extract principles from that story and apply to their very own. That's good. So Genesis, that Bible first book of the Bible is to help us. Yes, it's all there from Genesis to Revelation, yes. but we're camping out at the patriarchs and the matriarchs. And uh, my wife's on the journey with, and that to me is a real extra. I get to share her with the world. Yes. Well, you shared Barry with us, and we also shared something with you, the gorgeous Ken Berg. He's our producer of dramatic reenactments throughout this whole new series. Well, you see him every time, pretty much. And I just want you to know that yes, Dr. Seif talked about finances and your finances help us recreate the stories visually. 
I am a visual learner. When I see something, somehow I retain it better. And so what you do in helping us put those together, help people remember the stories and the scripture that you bring to life through your words. And we're thankful for that. Glad to do it. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those are our, our key people in this next uh, series, correct? Don't forget, don't, listen, don't forget uh, oh. the ladies. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Was it all good in their lives or they had some roller coaster events happen? Roller coaster events. Yeah. And anybody that tells you different is just not telling you the truth. Sometimes I'll read this book, buy this book, send this money here, and everything's just going to be straight on up. It's really not the way the game of life is played. You know, it's, there's always ups and downs, but there's God that leads us through it like a needle, or like a thread making its way through a needle. God helps us get where we need to go. They ran into detours. That's something that we run into as we're driving, but also in life. We think our life is going one way, and, and God stops it and turns it a different way. Yeah, it takes a little extra work and a little strain, but, you know, I like to go to the gym. I'm 65 and uh, I want to be in the gym, you know, three, four times a week running six, seven, eight miles every other day or whatever and uh, take some work. But at the end of the day, uh, we're the better for it. And it's like that with life's trials, too. They say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, God uses those things that appear as detours just to refine us and turn us into the women and men he'd have us to be. There have been some times where we didn't know where we were going, what was going to happen, but we had that faith. And that's what it talks about. Indeed, to be sure, and a lot of times we're not altogether clear. And if someone says, I know exactly what God's going to do in the next 30 years and I have it written down on a piece of paper, I say, make sure you write it down in pencil and bring an eraser exactly. because uh, there's going to be some twists and turns unanticipated. Yeah. And you mentioned the women. Uh, it's so fun to have Barry with us. We, she's one of my favorites. She's not only gorgeous, she's also very gracious. And, and I love her insights. As You're both doctors, is that correct? You're both... Yes, Doctorate. Barry's smarter than me. She has a master's degree in business administration and a PhD in, in biblical studies. And one sharp lady, beautiful, as you'd said as well, inside and out. Uh, and we get to see some of the excerpts of our brand new series. Make sure you watch every single one. You won't want to miss, miss one. Here is Faith for the Future. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old received divine approval. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Faith for the future, our journey with the patriarchs. This series is about faith for the future. And the 22nd chapter of Genesis, Bereshit, is important in that regard for both Jews and Christians. Jews refer to it as the story of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. Christians refer to the story as a, a typological picture of the father Abraham taking his miracle-born son Isaac, taking him to Mount Moriah and sacrificing him. A dear friend of mine recently had to bury 
her daughter, who died of natural causes. That's outside the proper order of things. The children should bury the parents, not the parents bury the child. But here we see Abraham's obedience. Hebrews 12 exhorts us to keep our eyes on Jesus, Yeshua, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And then also in Romans 4, Paul reminds us about Abraham, yet with respect to the promise of God. Abraham, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Nothing is complete without the cross, and yet the cross is at the end of the story, is it? This journey, this call of obedience was not the end of the story. The resurrection, the empty tomb, is the fulfillment of the promise that we have in Messiah, Yeshua, and Jesus. And the father Abraham takes that son Yitzchak and they go up the mountain. I want to talk about faith for the future. And when I think of that, I wonder about Abram's state of mind at the time for he is about to plunge a dagger into the breast of the future, or so it seems. This is a man who's thoroughly committed to the belief that God holds the key to the future, not the circumstances as he sees them at the moment. Now, to be sure, he loves his son. This was a hard assignment, to be sure, a test, as it's noted elsewhere in Scripture. He passed it, and what enabled him to pass it and to get past the moment was a belief in a God who can get him past the difficult moments on into the future. Not only will you see wonderful dramas that take place in this series, Dr. Seif's teaching and his wife, Barry, but we have the honor of bringing some of our favorite hymns to this program, Songs of Yeshua. We're excited to do that. Yes, and you guys are all about the music, aren't you? We were, it's kind of something new. So uh, we love singing the music of our founder, Zola, and we also love putting uh, Hebrew to words that we know and to tunes that we know. And for you, that's a learning experience, isn't it, to kind of do the Hebrew? It's how I learn Hebrew, actually. Yeah. yeah. You know, for me, uh, honestly, I, I, I do love the old hymns. Sometimes I get lost with the loud guitars uh, in, the, uh, in, in the modern worship experience, and... Uh, uh, the old hymns, they, they resonate with me deeply. I love them. I'm not saying that. I'm not scripted to say it. Uh, but from, from the heart, you know, there, there's a kind of fresh beauty there. And sometimes the younger generation moves on and doesn't, they, they do well to take some of the old stuff along with them. 
pack these hymns in the suitcase. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that we've resurrected those in conjunction with the series. I'm always encouraged when I see young people singing the hymns. Yeah. They're meaningful. Yeah, and Sammy Davenport, all the music that you hear on our program, all the background music and for our dramatic reenactments, that's all done by Sammy Davenport. I'm giving you a little shout out. He arranges all of our music. So he arranged some hymns for us to do. And he also arranged the Aaronic Blessing. That is coming up at the end of this program right yeah, now. Yeah, and the thing is for me, uh, I'm all for all the music skills that people present, but I like them to be using that to bring the Bible afresh. And I'll take that with any style of music, quite frankly. Uh, I, I think it's not just the charisma or the creative ideas of the artist. I think it's bringing forth the word so people can sing it. If they sing it and it catches in their mind, they're gonna remember it. And if they're gonna remember it, they're gonna be healed by virtue of their so doing. But to your point about the ironic benediction, it's a beautiful story and it's great to sing it. I'm glad folk can hear it. It, it comes from the Bible, Numbers chapter six. And uh, Moses was beckoned to pass on to Aaron from the Lord to, 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 to pray a blessing over people. And at the end of the day, that's what we wanna be in a ministry like this. We wanna be a blessing. A lot of problems in this world. We wanna be part of the cure. We wanna be a soft voice in a loud and harsh world. We do, and we're so honored that Sarah Lieberman has done the Hebrew part of the song. She's all the way in Israel. Dave and I here in the States recorded our English part. Sarah Lieberman has been part of our program for a few years now, and she writes our personal letter every month, one of our monthly periodicals. So the Hebrew that you hear is from a gorgeous Israeli woman, Sarah Lieberman. Number 624 is our song, but before we do that, just like this, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is 
May his grace and his face shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. Sure.